Let's go to the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I'm just really excited about what God wants to do in this place. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Then I have a companion text, which is Matthew 24, but we'll be seated before we get to that. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I guess the preacher ought to turn there, huh? I have so much going on. My notes are everywhere. Sometimes this happens to me on a week. But I'm just really thankful that I have an opportunity. It's a, it's, a, it's, a royal, it's a royal honor, really it is, to preach the Word of God. And I don't take it lightly. I thank you for being here to hear and to read the Word of God because it doesn't return void in your life. How many know that? This will change you whether it's presented well or not. And I bind the spirit that says we have to create some sort of entertainment out of this sermon. I bind the spirit that says we have to do some sort of creation that can just keep your attention the whole time. I'm saying, what I'm saying is there is a power in the word of God just by it being spoken. This is the word of God we're going to read. We're going to read the word of God just now. And there's a power in it. I release our preachers from having to create some sort of candy for the saints whenever this is the word of God forever settled in heaven. Amen? Whoops. I didn't mean to get that in there, but... I just want to tell you that the Lord is speaking. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll begin at verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe that? If we believe it, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him, with Jesus. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. He said, they died in Christ. You're not, they're not going to get in the way, and you're not going to get in their way. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Everybody say a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Everybody say rapture. We'll be caught up together with him, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord or so shall we forever. Are you glad about that? Are you waiting for the Lord to come? will forever be with the Lord. Amen. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Turn to somebody and tell them my sermon. I'm just going to just have you say a couple of statements. Turn to somebody and tell them Jesus is coming back. Turn to your other neighbor and say Jesus would say it like this. Be right back. (laughs) I'll be right back. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, the hearing. Help me to be your vessel and conduit today. In Jesus' precious name. In in our world, it's getting harder to preach about preparation. More and more people want things instantly. You know that, right? You've heard preachers preach about microwave Christians. You know, one minute, ding, we're done. Give me a 15-minute, 20-minute sermon, get me out. You don't run over the game time preacher. You know, don't, don't run into the, 
the draft. Don't worry about the draft, folks. We we're 15. We need Aaron Rodgers to go to the Jets. Get him out of here. <laughs> oh, I got a church in here over Aaron Rodgers. There's a church online, maybe. Hey, if we get rid of him, we get 13 pick. Let's do, let's do, let's use it. That's not even my notes anywhere. But the power of preparation is so important in our life. We have to know that um, we have a tendency sometimes in our personality to be procrastinating. Any procrastinators in the room? Any? Pro- oh, yes, brother. You and me today. We're locked. <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. I'm a hardcore procrastinator. And the reason why I know this is because I've improved on my procrastination. I now use other things that help me not to procrastinate as much. But I have learned over my lifetime that as I'm getting older, Brother Steve. I do not want, that's not a reference because he's older, don't. <laughs> this is a rough start here. Rough? Let's go back and read the text again and start over. <laughs> I've noticed as I've aged that I want more preparation before I do something. I'm not comfortable with walking up and winging it is what I'm saying. And so as I'm getting older, I'm I'm finding myself looking ahead to what's coming and saying, I want to make sure I remove the negatives of my future by doing positives in today. Amen? I don't run my life on what I think God uh, should do with me. I run my life on what God says he will do for me. Amen? So in my preparation, I'm actually asking the Lord, Lord, would you bless this or would you bring rain or would you bring revival? And I'm asking the Lord to tell me what he wants to do in my life life, and then I go about preparing myself for the things that I prayed for. Amen? God sometimes will not answer your prayers. Hate to get on your nerves already this morning, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a multifaceted offender. I will get everybody before we're done. Amen? So just tuck your toes up underneath and make sure I don't hit them too bad. But I want you to know that sometimes we don't receive our prayers because we're not preparing for them in advance. Amen? We're not spending any time asking the Lord for something and then going about our tasks and our mindset of God is going to do what I've asked him to do. Amen? So when we pray, a prayer I'm asking you just to do one thing this week and that is live your life with an umbrella and so the story that I want to reference for this so that makes sense is there's a little boy and he was watching his grandfather and his grandfather went out to the barn and it was a farmer and he was watching his grandfather pray in the barn and then his grandfather knelt down and said Lord you know it's been dry we really need some rain for our crops we need you to come and, and bless us with some rain it's been so dry I cannot keep up with this crop with the watering system that I have Please, Lord, send rain. And then he ran back to the house. His grandfather comes in the house, and they're going to go to the store. And they were getting ready to leave. And, and, and the little boy comes up. He says, Grandpa, I heard you praying in the garage. And they, they, they walk out the door, and he's like, did you? He's like, and they're headed to the truck to go to the store. He says, but Grandpa, I wonder something about your prayers. And he said, what's that, hon? What, 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 what are you concerned about? He said, you prayed for rain, but you're not taking your umbrella. He's saying, you, you ask God for something, but you haven't prepared yourself to receive it. Maybe God is waiting to fulfill your prayers. As, maybe God is waiting to fill what you have asked him for if you would prepare and build what he can fill. 
Maybe God is looking for you to take responsibility in the access, in the access of what he's given you and say, Lord, I'm asking you. I know you said if, you, if we ask, we shall receive, but I'm going to take a faith step and I'm going to walk with my umbrella through life. So I'm asking you to take your umbrella everywhere you go. Every prayer you pray, that's your, that's your ability to then step into a preparation mode and say, if I ask for a new job, I'm going to prepare myself by getting my resume ready. If I've asked for something from God, I'm going to prepare myself. If I've asked for a husband, I'm going to prepare myself to be a good wife. If I've asked for a wife, I'm going to prepare myself to be a good husband. I'm going to do what I need to do on my end because God has promised to bless me if I have faith in him. Amen? So we push past procrastination to preparation. And that is something that has to happen. We have to live with an umbrella in our life if we're praying for rain. God has promised the former and the latter rain on the church, amen? What that means is that he's going to give revival to his church in the last days. And when he starts to get ready to come back, we're going to see things in the end times that we're going to to see representing the days in which he's going to come. So I look at the scriptures and I see all kinds of things happening throughout the scripture. We also know that Matthew 24, 36 is a reference to this particular passage of scripture but he says i want you to be ready so the key the key factor here is that we be ready amen and so when you're talking about the rapture or when you're talking about the taking away of the church, there are several different views on this. And some of you more scholarly folks will know that there is a historical view, there is a spiritual view to it, and there is a pragmatic or practical view, which is more of the pop culture view of the church. And when we see that this has been built over time, there are some uh, that are theologians like Origen and others who take on an idea that saw the rapture purely as a spiritual event, not a physical catching away of the church. There's ones like Rufinus that viewed biblical references to the rapture as a statement about the nature of the afterlife of the church. All of these different things are different beliefs of people, but they're not grounded necessarily in the word of God. We have to get our truth from the word of God. Amen. Amen. And other earlier, earlier theologians like Augustine, you may have heard of him, or, or Chrysostom, did asso- associated a physical rapture with the final judgment. And many modern depictions of the rapture in, in like modern culture that you know of, or that I would reference and you would make reference to, were brought out of the scriptures by John Darby, who was a 19th century theologian. He was an Anglican priest. And he was able to read the word of God and say, wait a minute, all of these things that people are saying are not necessarily true according to the word of God. The word of God says this is going to happen. And so in Matthew in, in Matthew actually 24 and 20, chapter 25, you can see a lot of this taking place where they're looking at scripture and they're trying to make sense of it. But this man said, look, this is what, this is what the church needs to understand. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. And he, he goes on to say, but as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the son of man be. He said, there's going to be evil in the earth, uncontrolled evil. There's going to be stuff that's let loose. And now I believe that there is a control of the Holy Ghost on evil, but man's ways are going to wax worse is what I'm trying to communicate. For as in the days that were, 
sorry. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, but it, what it's speaking to is they were busy. They were so busy, they didn't have time for God. They had so busy that they didn't have time to prepare. They were so busy, they weren't living with an umbrella in their life ready for Jesus to come until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And so then, they, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be like the days of Noah, he said. Look at the days of Noah and compare them to the days of now. And when it's like that, you'll know that the end of the earth is coming and that the Lord is coming soon. Then shall two be in the field. This is what he's saying. There's going to be two working in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. One, then two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the the other left. And then watch therefore, for ye know not the hour which the Lord doth come. In other words, you're not going to know the hour, but he's saying you are going to know the season. You're going to know the times even when you don't know the time. Amen? You're going to be able to recognize that the world is getting worse. How many know that is true? How many are looking at things? Just the other day I was talking with someone who is maintaining in this building, and I, and I came across that, and he maintenances stuff with the, 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 the schools in Brookfield, and, and he said they're putting kitty boxes in bathrooms in the schools for these fur babies to use the restroom. And I'm like, this is happening in Brookfield, Wisconsin? Are you kidding? It shook me. It shook me to where I was like, I need to be more on my knees. I need to pray for revival. I need to start praying, Lord, come. Jesus, come. This is it's time for us to have a move of God like we've never had it before. And I want to see it in my day. And he's saying, when you see these things, the end is near. And when the end is near, you know that God is moving because he said, when these things happen, you know it's the beginning of the end of days. But he's also promised that that generation that sees it, it will happen so fast that that generation that sees it will see the beginning and they will see the end of it. He's saying this is going to start wrapping up really quick, brothers and sisters, and we need to get our hearts right. We need to get our heads right. We need to get our minds in the right place. We need to stop looking at the world and worrying about the worst, how things are getting worse and worse. Hey, man, I'm not looking at what's going on in Brookfield schools. I'm looking at what Jesus has promised, that there's going to be a massive revival. I personally, in my prayer life, have been promised some things that I am living on that I, well, I want to see, the Savior is coming, amen? The Savior is coming. Hallelujah. And as I was praying last night, the Lord sent me over to a space of Scripture, and I was just, I was just spending some time in that area of Jeremiah, and it just nurtured me so much. And I, it's not in my sermon because I think it was just for me, but God was just giving me the, vis the vision and the understanding that don't look to where this world is at. You recognize it, and you say this is the season upon which the Lord has come, but he was telling me don't sell out, don't give up, don't quit. I can tell you as a pastor, the greatest thing that I have seen of late is the fact that God has been impressing me not to quit what we're doing right now. 
to just continue and to pray and to seek God to fill these chairs that are empty right here, to fill the spots that are empty in this room. He's promised me that if we will work on the 65 chairs in this place and fill them with souls that need to hear from heaven, I tell you my goal right now as a pastor is to get the word of God in people's hearts. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do it. When God told me to turn these cameras back on, he told me get the word out into people's hearts. I don't necessarily like Facebook and all of this other stuff. I'm not really on socials that much myself, but I can tell you this, that if one person gets word in their heart, it's like dynamite on the inside. It will change their entire life. So if they only get a little bit of it, if they only get a little section of scripture, then let them get an understanding that Jesus is coming and there is a rapture of the church and we are going to go home and we need to be ready. Maybe somebody will stand on that word. And so this former theologian wrote the book, The Church is in Ruins by John Darby, successful Anglican priest in Ireland, and the church was in ruins. He wrote this in the 1800s. He said the church is in ruins in the 1800s. So if you want to walk around playing, throwing shade on the church, there's been people that have been doing that for a lot longer than you have lived. But if you want to walk around victorious, you can. You can pray for things and believe God and prepare for them and watch God do it in your life. You can ask God for things. When I was young, I sometimes get on this. When I was younger, I asked the Lord for a few things. When I first was marrying this lovely lady right here who uh, has to live with me every day, and I get up and I just be my glorious self, and she's so blessed to be with me. Just being with me, it's just a, she just gets up in the morning and says, my husband, hallelujah. That's all she gets, just hallelujah. Yes, just, she wants to just give me back to the Lord every morning. (laughs) Yes, give me back to the Lord. And she does, amen. But when I first got married to her, I knew I needed more education. I wanted to live in the city where we ministered. And I wanted a job in the city where we ministered. And I've told this story so many times, and I apologize if you've heard it before, but quickly, I will tell you, the Lord gave me a job in the city. He gave me, from that job, he said, why don't you come meet with me? I was doing remodeling with my father-in-law, and we were doing drywall, and I was in a closet sanding above my head with drywall when I met the owner who gave me the job. I came out of the closet like a poof of sand. Just, I was all white. I looked like I was 90 years old. I had white all over my head because I was sanding drywall above my head. I came out. He's like, I'm this. And I'm like, I'm Jodon. You know, and, and he's like, well, how old are you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing good at 96. You know, <laughs> completely white, you know. And he said, look, I, I need someone to caretake this funeral home. If you can come and you can handle this kind of thing, I'll pay your way through school. God answered two prayers in one, in one moment. And then that job was in the city where we pastored. And we got a home in the city where we pastored. God answered those three prayers. But when, he, when I prayed those, I started preparing for it. Amen? I started getting ready. I believed God. He was going to give me what I asked him. And he opened the door. God may not always give you exactly what, you, what, you're, what it looks like in your mind. But you have to be open to what it's going to be. You have to be willing to walk into the purpose that you have prayed for. That God has given you a vision for. Amen? Because without a vision, we know the people perish. Amen? The devil, the enemy, 
will often try to get you to be so distracted that you forget about what you're asking God for. I want my children saved. How about you? I want my family saved. How about you? So what am I doing? I'm preparing myself. I'm bettering myself in teaching Bible studies. I'm bettering myself in preaching so I don't get too far in the weeds today and I lose all of you while I'm preaching. I could get into preterism. I could get into, we could get into all kinds of stuff, right, preachers? But we would be so far gone. You'd be so far. You'd be like, oh, okay, we stand and pray. Here we go. I would lose you so bad, but what I want you to know is if you will get preparation in your heart today, if you will say, I want to be ready, if I can get you to be ready on the little things, you'll be ready when Jesus comes back. If I can get you to start having a preparation mindset, you will say, you know what? If I can prepare for this, if I pray and I prepare for that answer, I will be ready when Jesus comes because that is the big deal, brothers and sisters. He said, I am coming back and I am coming back soon. And you're not going to be ready for that if you don't be ready, get yourself ready for little things. Start small. And the thing that I've been overwhelmed with for the last six, eight months since we've moved into this space and had only 65 chairs to offer the public and wondering how are we going to do this, how are we going to build this, is that the Lord has been telling me, do not sell out. Do not put anything in your life up for sale because the enemy will find a way to buy it from you. If you offer your character for sale, God will bring, or the enemy will bring somebody to buy you out. If you offer your doctrine up for sale, God will put you in a place where you compromise your doctrine. And if there's one thing the church needs to do, it needs to talk about the errancy of the word of God in our culture today, but it also needs to stand on the doctrines of the word of God, amen? This is the thing that we live on, not just theology, but the living word of God. And if you have a for sale sign anywhere in your life, the Lord was impressing me. If you put up a for sale sign because you're exhausted or you put up a for sale sign in any place in your life because you're suffering or you have infirmities or you have loss or you have pain or you have struggle or tired or worried or taking too long or you feel like God is taking too long to answer a prayer or your heart hurts over some issues or you don't, you don't see a working out in the time that you thought it would or you have dreams that die or you have health that is broken down or you have promises that you thought would be kept but they didn't get kept the way you thought they would or somebody for god forbid has walked out on you do not sell your spiritual life do not sell your salvation do not get yourself so distracted that you're not ready for when he comes because he said he's coming soon and there's a lot of discussion on that but this one man who said the church is in ruins. The only good thing that came out of that is he understood and he gave us a practical understanding of what the rapture is going to look like given scripture. He said that we're going to be caught away in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we understand that from scripture, Matthew 23, Matthew 24, all of that. We understand it. But that's where we get our pop culture understanding of the rapture. The whole Left Behind series. How many watched the Left Behind series? A few of you have watched it. Yeah, the idea of clothing left on the floor and we'd be taken away. The idea of a car crashing because the driver's been removed. The idea of a plane going into a building because the pilot's been taken out. All of those ideas came from this one man, his, his understanding of being taken up or caught away. The word rapture is not in the scriptures. There is no translation from the original text to the English language that says the word rapture. 
but the words caught up or caught away is rapto, which is what we get the word rapture from. And though some may believe that there's no physical rapture of the church, we know that being caught away or being taken up or being raptured is in Scripture. Amen? And so we know that Jesus is going to take his church out. Some confuse the rapture with the second coming of Christ, but there is a space in Scripture given between the time when the church is taken out and when the second coming of Jesus comes back to the earth to set up his kingdom. We know that's the time of tribulation. Some people believe it's already happening. Some people do not. Some people believe that the prophecies that took place in Matthew 23 and 24 all happened when Jerusalem was conquered by Rome in AD 70. That's all stuff that is... It's just theological jargon that spins in the theological world. But the Bible tells us that there is going to be a literal catching away, that those that are in the grave are going to be caught up in the air, and we that are alive will be caught up to meet them, and we shall forever be with the Lord. The message that we have to focus on is not whether or not we are going to be caught up before or after anybody else or how things are going to play out. The message that we are to focus on is will you be ready? Will you be ready? So scripture tells us that God is doing great things in our life and he's working things out. Give me Jeremiah 15, 15 through 21. I didn't give that to you, but I think I will take everybody there today that the Lord led me to. And if you get it up there, let me know. Just wave at me when you have it. I want to ask you to take down every place where this sign shows up in your life. Every place where you're inclined to say, well, if it goes that bad, I'll just stop doing that. If it goes wrong, I'll just stop doing that. Take the for sale sign down in your life. Because God is wanting to greet you with what's next in your life. And he's preparing you. So that is the thing that I'm trying to communicate. Is I have found in my life that I'm more and more of the mindset as I've gotten older and as I'm preached you know, plenty of messages, but as I've gotten older, I've understand, I've, I've been more in the understanding that God is preparing me for what's coming next while he's giving me blessings in my present moment. That God is opening up doors in front of me, but he's also preparing me for the doors that will open up in front of me. So I live in a const constant preparation and yes, last evening I was praying and God just sent me to this passage of scripture. It's actually 15 verses uh, 15 verses 15 through 21. He sent me to this section of scripture and I just felt overwhelmed by the power of God. Jeremiah 15, 15 through 21 says, O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecution, persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. The words Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name. How many are called by thy, his name in this place? He said, I want you to do this. I want you to take down every word, that I, every sign of for sale that's in your life in any place, but then I want your joy to come from living on this word. When you are preparing yourself for heaven, I want you to live on the joy of the Lord and the fact 
fact that the joy of the Lord is mentioned here as his word. He said there are going to be some times when you have to shut off the TV. There's going to be some times when you shouldn't watch CNN or Fox or MSNBC. Dear Lord, did I say it? There's going to be some times when you should shut some things down and just go into your closet and live on the joy of the Lord that comes from nourishing yourself from the word of the Lord. Amen. Some of you need to have a, a moment of, of joy in your life when you come to the house of God. Some people come to the house of God and they think they're just going to get beat and strapped and God's going to just tell them all the things they're doing wrong. And there are things we need to correct in our life. But what happened to your smile when you walked into the house of God? How is it that the devil has made you so unsmileable? How is it that church became unhappy to you? How is it that the joy of the Lord that's supposed to be in this house every time you walk in when the preacher takes a text and you say, this is where my joy comes from. This is what's going to encourage me. This is what's going to build me up. This is what's going to give me faith for tomorrow. Faith for his coming. Faith for a turnaround. You need that in your life. So unhappy in the house of God. That is not the church of the living God. We come together in joy. Joy in worship. Joy in the Lord. Joy in fellowship. Joy in the word. Where is your smile of your salvation again? People are like, well, religion and theology is so negative. It does have a negative slant in places. But don't live in the negative Live in the positive. Live in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord was supposed to be your strength. The reason you have no strength, the reason why you're so exhausted all the time, the reason why you lay down at night and wake up with an exhausted mind, even though you've slept in your body, is because you haven't focused on the joy of the Lord. And it comes from the word of God. It comes from fellowship with the saints. It comes from walking in a prayer life and living a life where you know no matter what comes, I'm sold out to Jesus. There's no for sale signs anywhere in my life. I've made the decision long before the choice ever comes up that I am sold out to God. Amen, somebody. We do this in every area of our life. Ah, cameras are on. I got to think about this. You come to church and you turn on butt warmers in your car. You got heated seats so that you're more comfortable and happy on the way to church. You stop and get a drink that has maybe some sugar in it to make you more happy. I don't know. You do stuff all the time, I'm saying, to make you more happy. Why wouldn't we have happiness at the house of God? Why is it that we got to come here and have a long fit? You have people talk about happiness, the joy of the Lord, that we're going to heaven someday, that Jesus is coming back for the church. They're like, I got the joy of the Lord. Would you inform your face? Let your face know. Let part of your body know. Don't slump over. Don't look like Snuffleupagus that just walked in and, oh, boy. Another day, just another day of living life. Get excited about walking with the Lord. This is not just a Sunday where we gather and we check a box. This is us preparing our hearts so we can be ready for when he comes back. And if you're not living on the joy of the Lord, you're not really living. I hate to tell you, you're not living. You're, you're existing 
as a Christian. You're not living in the joy of the Lord. When you get in your car and you don't feel great, turn on some worship music. Get some joy in your life. Focus on the joy of the Lord is your strength, and you will have strength. You'll not constantly be saying out the gates of your life, your mouth and other things. You'll not constantly be saying, I'm just so tired. I don't know if I can do this anymore. That is a person who's not living on the joy of the Lord. You have sold out somewhere. And I'm asking you not to put a for sale sign on your joy anymore. Get happy at the house of God. When you come in, it's not about who's all dressed up nice or who's dancing or worshiping. You take responsibility for the environment around you. Say, excuse me, I need a little bit of room because I'm going if to, you, if you don't have good knees, bounce. Just bounce. If you can't stand up, just lift a hand. Just lift a hand. Do something to get a hold of some joy in the house of the Lord because it's your strength for going home. It's your strength for going home to know that you're getting ready. When you focus on joy, you're getting ready for what's next. You're happy now, but you're happy about then. And God is preparing you for what's next. And when it doesn't feel good, focus on the joy. Know that greater mercies are released every morning. Know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That no weapon formed against you is ever going to prosper. That you've got a joy that cannot be taken away. You've got Jesus' joy in your heart, and he's coming to get his church. And I want to be ready and I stay ready by living on the word and the joy of the Lord because he will Philippians 1 and 6 he will complete that good work that is in you until the coming of the Lord he said I'm doing a good work in you seek the good don't seek the negative. Don't seek what's bad. Don't look always on what's broken. Seek the good because I'm doing a good work in you. Live on the joy because I'm doing a good work in you and I will complete it. I will finish that work. Don't sell out. I've come to tell somebody today, don't sell out. At the moment, we're so close to his coming. Because the Bible says that even the very elect will sell out. And you hit it today on elect and chosen. I don't need to go back over that. But even the very elect will wonder, is he ever coming back? But if that's all you focus on, you will sell out. That is the major point that God gave me in prayer, is tell the church, don't sell out. Your Savior is going to be right back. He'll be right back. It may have seemed like a long time, and we can go into all the reasons why the Scripture talks about on this generation, but there's no reason for me to get that deep into the Word whenever we know we've got to keep our hearts right. It's a responsibility that each one of us has to do, and when the rapture happens, we will be caught up together to meet Him in the air. Amen? And He's the one working on our faith. He's the one finishing the process. We have to do our preparation. We got to get baptized. We got to do what we know to do. Amen. 
I'm not talking about progressive revelation, pastors. I'm talking about when you know that you're supposed to do something from the Word of God, we need to do it. We need to take the next step because that is the preparation. When you find out the joy of being baptized in Jesus' name, why wouldn't you go after some joy? Why wouldn't you lay down every single thing in your life under the blood of Jesus? Why wouldn't you wash yourself clean, amen? Well, you have a new slate. Why wouldn't you get filled with the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the joy of the Lord. It's the comfort in your life. It is what is the resurrection power. If you die and go in the grave, the Holy Ghost is getting you up when Jesus comes back. It is the power of resurrection in Romans. So we have to live on the things that God has given us understanding for. And I know there's people that are here and there's people that are there. I get that. But understand that if you're living in the joy of the Lord, if you're constantly asking the Lord, what do you want me to do next? Who do you want me to talk to next? How can I, how can I serve you more, Lord? Today, I'm only here to preach this message because I want to please the Lord and I want to make the saints of the Most High God happy, not happy, but joyous. I want to get some joy in your life. I want you to leave and get in the car and go, man, today's going to be good. I want you to get in the car on Monday morning and go, today is going to be good. And I want you to have enough Holy Ghost in you to say, when I show up, things change. Not because you're arrogant, but because you have God in you. The hope. You have God in you. The hope of where we're going. The hope of this be right back message is that we've got God in us. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. The hope of what's coming. He's already there calling us to himself. He's saying, keep coming, keep coming. Prepare, but keep coming. I'm going to put you in the place where you belong. I've got a place prepared for you. And someday I'm going to bring you home. And it's happening soon and very soon. My great-grandmother Grace sang it. My grandmother led worship at a church in Palmer, Alaska and sang it. Soon and very soon, we are going, you know it, to see the king. Soon and very, my dad sang it. My mother sang it. But that doesn't mean it's not close. It means that Jesus is working all things. I don't have a prophecy in this Bible right now that, that, that says that we're waiting on something. Euphrates River is dried up, brothers and sisters. We got stuff going on that's end times prophecy that has been fulfilled. Jesus can come back right now and not disturb any of the prophecies in this book. They have been fulfilled enough for him to come back and for us to be taken out of here. There is going to be a rapture. And I've come to tell you, get your hearts ready. Get your minds ready. Live for the joy of the Lord. Don't let this world put for sale signs on anything in your life. Live for the joy of the Lord. Would you stand with me today? I hope this was enough to encourage your heart to take steps of joy, to walk away from here and say, I'm going to remove some stuff from my life that's just been dragging me down. I don't need to be on social media that much because I just feel so much dragged down when I see people being blessed and I feel like I don't see all those blessings. Stop recursing that. Stop regurgitating things like that. Stop comparing ourselves to somebody else. The Bible says that is not wise, but walk away from this sermon today and go, I'm going to take some stuff out. I'm going to take some stuff down. I'm going to remove some things that I need to remove. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to make sure my mind is right. My heart is right. My walk is right 
right. I'm going to pray for things and carry an umbrella and believe that God's going to send a latter rain and former rain and blessings and hope and joy. I want to live life with an umbrella in my life. I want to be ready when he calls. Jesus, would you just bow your heads with me right now and would you do whatever you need to do to ask the Lord to make you ready? Whatever you need to do to obey the word of the Lord. If you haven't repented, repent. If you need to be baptized, we'll baptize you. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, you need that joy unspeakable and full of glory in your life. You need to live on the Holy Ghost. You need to live on the joy of the Lord. Jesus, give joy in this place. Put a smile that cannot be taken off their face back in their spirit. Lord God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you'd instruct somebody today that they're not to live rehearsing the negative in their life, but they're supposed to live on the joy of the Lord. Jesus, 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 we need you. We need you. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You believe, you do well. The demons believe and tremble. But we need to be filled with God's spirit. We need to be washed in his blood. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength today. Come on, lay your hands on someone near you. Lay your hands on somebody near you right now and just ask the Lord to help them with a preparation mindset. Give them the ability to be prepared. Lord God, we want to be ready. I know you're coming back soon. The altar's open if you want to pray with somebody. Bring them down here. Don't stay in your pew, but come on down here and just pray. Just take a step forward. Say, God, I'm going to move to my next with you. I'm going to move in joy. I'm not going to move in the frustration anymore. I'm not going to move in the pain of my brain. I'm not going to move in the struggle anymore. I'm going to look for joy. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him. Let's worship him. I'm looking for the joy of the Lord. Hey, Jesus is coming. 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 Joy. 